0: Welcome to the Lee Schools TV podcast. I'm Adam Wright. Joining us today is Lori Brooks, Assistant Director, School Counseling and Mental Health Services for the School District of Lee County. Lori, thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So Lori, um, Assistant Director, School Counseling, Mental Health Services. Briefly, can you explain what you do in your role? I know it's you know it's a, a very important topic that mm-hmm. we're gonna be discussing today. It's in the news a lot lately. And yeah, what uh, what do you do in your role?
1: So my role was initially overseeing comprehensive school counseling services, as implemented, of course, by our school counselors. And now my role encompasses also the addition of mental health initiatives. And you'll find through this podcast that mental health involves actually several professionals, school counselors being one of them. And so my oversight now has grown to the mental health um, implementation.
0: So, you know, we just... You know part of the reason we're having you on is because you know we just had the one year anniversary of the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School on the fourteenth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a horrific event, you know, and it it sparked a big debate about you know gun control and, and mental health as mm-hmm. well. I know there had been some some red flags or some warning signs with mm-hmm. with the shooter in that case just before we get into some specifics about what you and your team are working on here in the School District of Lee County, if you don't mind, can we get your thoughts on, you know, what are your thoughts on kind of where we stand on mental health, not only as a school district, but maybe as a nation, um, how we're handling it and what we can improve on?
1: I would say nationally, uh, we have a long way to go. Unfortunately, it seems that mental health, as far as initiatives to support prevention and assistance, um, it really comes on the heels of a tragedy. And so nationally, we still have a lot of work to do. In the state of Florida, um, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, that was just such a horrible event. And um, I think sometimes out of tragedy there there comes some action and in this case um, action and funding to support that for school-based mental health services and so in Florida we have moved ahead and moved ahead quickly and um, in that initiative it's a very worthy initiative in my opinion to help our children it's also um, a, a very large one that needs to be done quickly and so through the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Act we actually had um, Uh, Great initiatives come out of that with funding and I keep telling staff and parents that this is a marathon not a sprint We all feel so compelled to get things in place and resources for our children and our families that it does feel like a sprint Mm
0: -hmm. and How how imperative would you say? mental health is um, You know monitoring it and offering resources to students. How imperative would you say that is to keeping students safe at school?
1: So I have a saying that we we need to educate the brain without leaving the heart behind. And for many years, we've all identified the fact that students cannot learn effectively if there are other things going on for them. So even beyond our, the school safety point, we want students to grow and develop in a healthy manner. We want them to become productive um, members of society. And we worry too about safety while they're going to school. So mental health really is the inception of, or it starts with mental health and wellness. Um, it's the beginning of how students grow and develop in a healthy manner, and if they're struggling, how do we support them so that we can maintain their personal safety, uh, because as you know, some students um, become suicidal. And in other regards then, how do we keep schools safe so that all students that are in need of services are getting the services they need? So
0: speaking of some of the initiatives that mm-hmm. came about shortly after Parkland, um, in, in March of last year, mm-hmm. Governor Scott signed Senate Bill 7026, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School Public Safety Act. What did that mean for us here in Lee County and our schools?
1: So that particular piece of legislation had two separate and yet very interrelated initiatives. It was school safety and then mental health. And as we know, um, those do have a nexus with each other, uh, but they really identified how to harden schools and then also how to help children and so my portion of that obviously and and in the mental health world it's how do we assist our students um, with school-based initiatives and then referral pathways for those students that may be in need of more therapeutic services
0: Mm -hmm. and does that involve funding measures too Mm -hmm. what can you tell me about maybe some new funding that we're able to get or?
1: Sure, so in relation to mental health, um, this bill established the uh, mental health allocation. It's a recurring allocation based on unweighted FTE. So the way it's written in statute, it's funded per student, and we will get a certain amount of money per year based on that recurring allocation. So the allocation for this school year was $2.14 million. Uh, When you take out the charter share of that, because they also have to develop their initiatives, the remaining portion was $1.88 million for this year. And so we developed initiatives and the funding around those initiatives.
0: So what are some things that you you can use that money for?
1: So the money actually needs to go towards the tier two and tier three type of services for students. So when you look at the continuum of mental health, it's similar to a continuum of um, academic services for students, we want our foundation to be strong. So the things that we want all students to, to know and to be able to do, we need to lay that foundation. So this is social emotional learning, it's emotion identification, and then appropriate responses to feeling emotions, like how do I know when I'm angry how do I know when I'm sad it starts it's a pre-k through grade 12 uh, levels of services so when we start kids young they learn how to identify emotions and then we we teach them skills about how do I appropriately interact with others when I feel angry or sad um, and so We start with that foundation. Now this allocation did not build funding into that foundation. So school districts are still charged with doing that good work based on the funding that we've had in years past through our general budget appropriations. This allocation is for tier two and tier three services. So what does that look like? So we looked at developing a school-based system of care for students. So we're trying to continue our universal prevention. And then we go into, what about the students that may need more?
0: So tier one is the universal prevention? Can you yes. yeah, I, I guess you're doing that right now, but explain yes. the, the multi-tier approach mm-hmm. to mental health.
1: Sure, so tier one is universal um, prevention. Then we have mild, moderate, and intensive intervention for mental health. So those supports are um, for students that may need a little bit more assistance. And then we have kids who need even greater assistance, but this can all be done through the school-based mental health professionals. And then for our our students with high levels of need, those would be referral pathways to community mental health. And of course, we want to do this through a problem-solving approach. And this involves our school-based mental health professionals. So you might be wondering who those people are and those people are your school counselors, school, social workers, and school psychologists. We also have our school nurses because many students will present in the clinic with um, symptoms um, that might be indicative of something else going on. So we developed through our implementation school-based mental health teams. And we believe in a problem-solving approach, so we convened our teams and we trained them. And again, the teams are made up of your school counselors, social workers, psychologists, the nurses also contribute to that. And then we have other staff members that we want to pull in. Uh, For instance, if a student speaks English as a second language, we're pulling in our ESOL department uh, person. If the student has an IEP, we're pulling in members of that team. So we're trying to collect information and connect information. From there we can develop school-based mental health supports that are appropriate for the students need Two of the major people that need to be present and on this team would be the student and the parent Many times students help us help them the most and the parents are a critical part of this because uh, we don't want to engage in mental health supports without really including the parent because they know their child best
0: Mm -hmm. and so you mentioned psychologists, mm-hmm. school psychologists, mm-hmm. school counselors, and, mm-hmm. and social workers. Does does each and every school have one of each of those? Or, you know, or some, do mm-hmm. some go to, they're assigned to maybe a, a zone of schools that they go to?
1: It's a great question. So um, every school has at least one school counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, m- many have more than that. And then we have a social worker. Through this allocation, we increased our social workers so that we could have one full-time at every high school where we did not have that in years prior. Um, And we added more days of social workers being present in the middle schools. The average age of onset for a mental health challenge is ages 12 to 18. And I didn't mention this earlier, but we convened a district leadership team of all the administrators that oversee different parts of student development and engagement collectively we identified and the schools really helped us do this because we did a needs assessment Um, where are our gaps for mental health and what else do we need to be doing and the reason we added more social workers is um, the fact that the student family and services connection Um, the wraparound services is what we call them. They were in place, but with itinerant social workers assigned very limited days at each school, we really needed to um, grow those efforts to really engage the, the outside world into the continuum of care for a student as well. We also added some school psychologists. We've had a hard time staffing school psychologists, so we added four more positions. We've been unable right now to find qualified candidates, but we continue running those ads um, repeatedly and ongoing. So we're hoping to find four more and hire them. And so the school's team, the school mental health team, professionals team. We added the social workers to add another mental health professional, full time or nearly full time, in our middles and then in our high schools. And the social, um, the psychologist that we're trying to find right now to grow that mm-hmm. staff as well.
0: For people who may be wondering, mm-hmm. what is what is the difference? What are the different roles mm-hmm. that you know a psychologist has compared to a counselor compared to a social worker?
1: So each of those mental health professionals has their own specialized degree. It's a master's level or higher. So you have either a master's in school counseling, social work, um, and our school psychologists are um, actually an educational specialist degree. So highly specialized um, graduate field work. Together, they have a lot of similarities and yet they are so unique. So the reason we teamed our mental health professionals is because all of them can provide some of these services to children. From individual to small group counseling, um, they can each do part of that uh, group work per se, like that heavy lift that we want multiple professionals to share in. And then each of them is specialized where we talked about school counselors uh, being able to work through the academic needs of a student, but then also how does that translate into their social emotional learning and growth? How does that then transfer onto college and career readiness when you have a child or a student who is uh, health developing healthfully? Um, our social workers are the family systems people. And they can engage families and outside services because that's part of their master degree skill set. And then our psychologists have a unique lens through which they can identify evidence-based interventions for students. They also do um, a lot of the evaluation and assessment piece. So, And then collectively, they have those commonalities that I mentioned earlier.
0: Mm-hmm. And I know also part of the you know, school board's uh, district mental health plan that they approved in, in mm-hmm. July of 2018, there's a, a lot of training initiatives that are a part mm-hmm. of that as well. Can you tell me about the different training initiatives that we're working on?
1: Sure. So one of the main pieces was really training our school-based mental health teams because each of them has been working through mental health supports for students. But formalizing that work has been uh, something new that came out of Senate Bill 7026. The ways in which we collaborate are now no longer as needed. It's a weekly team meeting. Everyone sits around the table. They follow a problem-solving model, and they... um, they really work together as a team. So that training needed to happen. In addition, um, we're continually training our staff on mental health topics. Um, So if they have been away from counseling for a little bit because of the demands of their job to do the other duties as assigned, rather than sometimes focusing on the actual master's level skills that they have um, then we wanted to train them or um, increase their capacity and their comfort level and getting back to their roots so those are some of the trainings that we've been putting into place
0: Um, by the way I would be remiss if I didn't mention Mm -hmm. that um, our school related employee of the year Mm -hmm. um, who was just announced last week is Paul Milford and he's a social worker at Bonita Springs Middle School so he's doing some great work there I agree. What, and I know, um, so continuing with the the Mm -hmm. district mental health plan, uh, partnerships with the community Mm -hmm. are imperative as well, right?
1: Yes. In Senate Bill 7026, districts were encouraged to develop collaborative partnerships and leverage community partnerships. And so we are developing partnerships now with interested agencies. Our first partnership, however, uh, was with Salus Care. And continues to be with them because they are our local community behavioral health center that is also funded through um, our state dollars, at just like the school system is. So that was naturally our first partnership because we all have shared work to do, and so we developed referral pathways to Salus Care to help parents expedite that process if they're interested in um, having their child have an, a, an assessment and a potentially engage in therapeutic services. So the referral pathways, one of the first things that people will ask is, well, are we paying for the student to go to counseling? Unfortunately, with the allocation, that did not cover the actual fee for services for families. However, adding the social workers into and, and increasing the full-time nature of their work at high school and almost full-time at middle school, that will help parents navigate their insurance protocols and Medicaid and then and also, if they need to self-pay on a sliding fee scale basis, um, so that piece is there. But these referral pathways have actually, with Salus Care, um, helped families call and get an appointment. So, at their request, we will send the referral to Salus Care, and Salus Care will call the parent within two business days and have an appointment scheduled. In the past, families had to arrive and wait that day until they could get one of the limited appointments available, or if they were unable to secure an appointment by standing kind of in line that day, they had to come back the next day to see if they could get an appointment that day. This has eliminated families uh, having to take time off of work. They can actually, through our referral process, get a phone call out from Salus Care to them saying what time would you like and what day for your appointment.
0: In in your experience, uh, maybe in your research or some data that you might have available mm-hmm. to you, what would you say if if you can talk mm-hmm. about it? I know we can't get into mm-hmm. you know specific cases or anything, mm-hmm. but what are some of the more most common types of you know maybe mental health mm-hmm. issues that um, um, mental health professionals see in in our students?
1: So in our schools, what we see um, a lot of is anxiety with Mm -hmm. students, and that's in Mm K-12. We used to experience anxiety more in the middle and high school level. We're seeing it in the elementary level as well. And um, some depressive symptoms too. Those are probably the more common school-based supports that we're addressing through our schools. And then also referring out for um, intense um, experiences with those. But I would say, Really, other than th- what we're seeing in the schools, I I think that mental health for students or for any individual is so personalized that um, we want to help kids with any type of challenge that they feel they're having. Uh, but anxiety really has been the greatest amount that we've dealt with within the school and for referrals now. Well,
0: I know there's you know mm-hmm. a ton of data out there that shows rates of anxiety and depression mm-hmm. are, are going way up Mm -hmm. across the country in in young people. Um, Other than the people that are available to them at their schools, what are some other resources that are available to students and their parents?
1: So within the school, we've covered that pretty well, Um, and the school can be a great connector for families. So we have a lot of resources, I don't wanna say a lot, we have resources in the community. We are struggling, and community mental health will tell you they are struggling with the lack of funding, and with the uh, Senate Bill 7026, while thankfully money was pushed into the schools um, for assistance, Community behavioral and mental health did not see an uptick in funding. So we still have the same resources out in the community. We're just doing a better job connecting families to those limited resources. When we need to help a family find, um, for instance, grief resources, we usually refer them to United Way 211. We also have a resource listing that we can research um, different assistance on there and help connect families so they have some choices they can make. But we also have some excellent community partners. And I go, my mind goes in the direction of grief because that's another need we have seen a lot of with our students. And we have an initiative that has reached out to us. Valerie's House is an initiative that reached out Angela Melvins, the founder, probably about five years ago when the first Valerie's House opened, um, they reached to the district and said, can you partner with us and make sure that your students and families that have experienced loss and have some grief needs know about us. And so we do referrals to them as well and ensure that our families know about Valerie's House And and, and they provide support groups and then they also have some limited counseling available and then also referrals to actual counseling providers. Mm-hmm. But we've got layers of tiered resources for a lot of different needs in the community. So it's really helping our families navigate to what fits their need in the moment, and then what fits their need if, they, if they're if they not seeing that their child is um, working through their issue, what's the next layer of services we can refer them to?
0: This may just be, anecdotal i don't know if you have any mm-hmm. you know data for this answer but do you do you think that students today are more willing to seek mental health help than maybe in the past
1: i think society in general has experienced a reduction in the stigma that surrounded mental health the conversations are national they're state They're county, they're local, they're personal, they're happening in families. And um, that's been encouraging because in years past, there has been a reluctance to talk about mental health because of that inherent embarrassment, or people are going to think that I am not okay. And mental health is a medical issue. And that I think has been in the national conversation, all the way drilled down to personal conversations where we've seen a lot of the reduction of stigma and the ability to talk about it. I do think students are more willing. We still have pockets of um, resistance and um, hesitation. To engage in services, and that may be culturally specific, but I think it's an individual basis too. Mm-hmm. How
0: important is it in in the school district's plan to um, do you encourage students and staff? You know, if they if they see something that they don't think mm-hmm. is right, or if they hear you know somebody saying something that mm-hmm. you know puts a red flag in their mind mm-hmm. and say, hey, maybe we need, to, maybe I need to tell somebody about mm-hmm. this student. How crucial is that aspect of it?
1: So I can answer that in two ways, because Mr. Parfit, through the Safety and Security Department, um, has initiatives about if you have a concern about school safety, you definitely see something, say something, and engage in that, because that's where we get a lot of our information is from students themselves who have a concern, and they go to an adult and they express that concern. And so we tell them, even if you think it's nothing, talk to us about it. But I wanna go back to mental health and reducing the stigma, and also these conversations about see something, say something, because I neglected to mention that part of Senate Bill 7026 is training every teacher and staff member in what we call Youth Mental Health First Aid. And Youth Mental Health First Aid is a national program that teaches staff about kind of the signs and symptoms of the most common uh, youth mental health challenges. And it increases their noticing skills for lack of a better term. What's typical behavior in a teenager? But when do you think it might be atypical? Um, we we basically tell, and I'm one of the trainers, and we, we tell teachers and staff members, you know, something just kind of gets your spidey sense up. Like you just the student is different than they've been, or you're you just have a concern. It teaches them how to talk to a student, how to approach them, talk to them and then connect them to the mental health uh, services within the building, the school counselor, social worker, psychologist, so that they can take it from there.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Lost my train of thought. I also saw that schools, part of the, I believe it was part of the Senate bill. Maybe required mm-hmm. that schools must send reports to the Department of Education mm-hmm. be- beginning in September of this year. Yes, uh, their, their mental health reports. What does that in those reports involve?
1: So I'm required to file a report for the district. Um, of the number of referrals we have made to outside services, also the number of referrals we've received within the school, which is another reason why we have the school-based mental health teams, because they understand when support moves from the general role of the counselor, just providing general support to students, when it moves into a mental health supporting role, and those would be referrals to the team, and then those may result in referrals and that families want referrals to outside services. So we have a number of reporting mechanisms um, or a number of reporting uh, benchmarks that we have to send. And the Department of Education has not yet specifically told us the format of the the report. They've given us an idea of the kind of the general numbers we're supposed to be collecting. So that's what we have placed into our, our reporting mechanisms and our supports at this point.
0: Is that mainly just so they can basically you know, start tracking data statewide?
1: Yes, so what I would like to um, clarify for anyone watching is that this is not student specific at all, mm-hmm. it's general numbers, mm-hmm. and it is so they can understand the impact of this allocation and the efforts that each district has put into place under the specific requirements of serving our kids that have those mild to moderate to intensive needs.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Okay. Now now I remember what I was going to ask before I lost my train of thought was when you you were talking about, uh, when we were talking about, you know, see something, say something, Mm -hmm. you know, we like to educate people through this Mm -hmm. podcast as well. Do you have any advice or or tips for people out there who may want to know, like, what are some things I should be looking out for in, you know, fellow classmates or students?
1: Sure. Um, I think that for a lot of our students, it's any change in what we call their affect. So if if I'm generally um, a certain way, the way I present myself and the way I interact with my friends and my teachers, I, I might be a very happy-go-lucky person, but I might be kind of just mild-mannered and everything's cool. Um, any changes to the way um, someone is behaving should engage you in wanting to say to them, if they're your friend or they're your student, uh, your child, you know, is everything okay? Um, and, And that's where that Youth Mental Health First Aid comes in, especially for our staff, because it teaches them how to actually approach that student, because if we say, what's wrong with you? They're not, the student's not gonna talk to you. So it gives people skills and um, so that's important and parents can actually benefit from this training too even with their own children. I wish we had this training for adolescents to talk to each other <laughs> um, and who knows that might be coming. Um, but really it's anything that sets you back a little bit about someone you're close to that makes you scratch your head and kinda say something's not the same, talk to them. Let's, we need to take our faces out of our phones, myself included, and really look someone in the eye and say, I'm concerned about you. Mm -hmm. Are you doing okay? How can I help those kinds of conversations? And don't, don't take the first conversation as the end. If you still are worried, go back to that person, give it a couple days, maybe whenever you feel like you can again and ask them, I'm worried about you. You're not, you're not the same. Something's changed. What can I do for you? Do you want to talk about it? Um, Those are the kinds of things we need to do. And it's the same with teachers. In this training, we teach them that that one touch point when a student may say, no, I'm fine. It's not the last one you're going to have. So you keep going back to check on them until they're ready to talk. Mm -hmm. And parents can can really do that too um, until they're ready. And then if a student talks to you and they're your friend or you're a teacher or a parent, go to the school counselor, social worker, psychologist, whomever you know best, we don't, it doesn't have to be one particular person, but go to one of those three people that you have a relationship with and say, I'm concerned about my friend. Because we have ways to talk to students and we won't say, oh, your best friend told me, <laughs> you know? And so we'll we'll start to work through that with a student.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned smartphones and, you know, mm-hmm being having their noses buried in phones all the yeah. time you know i recently recently read about how that you know the rise of smartphones over mm-hmm. the past 10 years and social media you know may be a big contributing factor to rising rates of anxiety and depression mm-hmm. is that yep. something that you talk a lot mm-hmm. about and do some research on or uh, that is a, maybe a focus of yours moving forward or just something that is is talked about
1: it has been a focus of ours um, as far as the school counselors and and the mental health professionals, really, and our prevention specialists. We have two prevention specialists in the school district. They work through our office down here, and um, we talk about a variety of issues. Mm-hmm.
0: And we, I bet cyberbullying—I'm cyber sure—is part of that too. Yes,
1: yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. And studies have shown statistically, it it has been demonstrated that the rise in anxiety is because students don't have an opportunity to check out. Even our adults have higher anxiety because you. You don't seem to get away from the social media aspect. I'm a little older. When I was in school, if you were being bullied, you got to go home at the end of the day. There was no cell phone. um, And the phone you had had a cord on it. So if the phone rang, your parents knew you were on the phone for an hour, and they were probably going to end that discussion. So we had a chance to go home. And yes, school was hard at times when those peer conflicts or the bullying was occurring. But we could go home and escape it. Students nowadays don't have that option. They can, but they have to choose to unplug. That's a challenge. Mm-hmm. So yes, the that increases the anxiety level, but also the consistent exposure to technology, um, even with all of the devices that help us teach children, help us do our jobs, there's increased connectivity and your brain doesn't get a break. So therefore your emotions don't get that break. And so it's for kids and adults we have that higher level of anxiety.
0: What do you What do you think is the solution to that or you know just encouraging parents to you know maybe I don't know um, have their kids reduce yeah. the amount of time that they're on their devices? Mm-hmm.
1: Monitor social media know exactly what your students are doing and also if they have a real account and a spam account as a lot of students do understanding what that means and how to um, to really, you have to be on there and know what they're posting, what's being posted. Um, and yes, having tech-free zones and making sure that when your child is done with their homework and or they have their free time after that, that then it's time for that technology to be put away and it's time for de- just decompress. And it's for, for a lot of students it's that, that time to go to sleep that their parents will actually take the phone mm-hmm. and make sure that they are not on that phone for the bulk of the evening. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I know I know it's good for your sleeping habits, yes. too, not to be looking mm-hmm. at a phone like a, at least an hour before you go to bed. Correct. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, good sleep is good for your mental health, too. Yes. And I'm, I learned a new term, new mm-hmm. word mm-hmm. Um, last school year after hearing mm-hmm. some high schoolers talk to each other. There's a lot of high school kids or, you know, a lot of our students have Instagram accounts and then mm-hmm. Instagram, which mm-hmm. is one that I learned, which is a mm-hmm. fake Instagram. So they yes. have an Instagram mm-hmm. account, which has their real name and their yep. pictures. And then they have a secondary account yes. that maybe doesn't have their name or their right. likeness on it.
1: Yes. And, and that was what I was referring to as the spam account. Yeah. And that's where they really post what they're doing mm-hmm. and what they want to say to each other. And that's where parents need to be vigilant about mm. that. Because yeah. many students, I'm sorry, guys, if you're watching this, um, for our students, but uh, many of them will have their nice, beautiful pa- account that their parent is yeah. attached to them on, and then the rest of it is behind the scenes. Yeah. So if a parent
0: asks, "Hey, can I see what you're posting online?" They mm-hmm. can show them their their yep. Instagram, and then they have the Finstagram yes. that they actually use with yeah. their friends and
1: stuff. Exactly.
0: Um, do you have so? What are some what are some goals that you have? Mm-hmm. As far as mental health and counseling is concerned moving forward is there um, you know like any quotas for new employees you'd like to bring on that you have or more broader reaching goals or more general I mean
1: Um, I would like us to consistently staff according to our student populations at each school Our counselors social workers school psychologists our ratios and and this is not just us this is nationwide and statewide our ratios for our student services personnel which are also now called the school-based mental health professionals our ratios are really high and if we're going to be um, able to do this good work we need to have those members staffed appropriately so they can truly serve the needs of students The better that we are at doing universal prevention, the fewer the students that enter that realm of, and you see me doing the triangle, um, that kind of the tier two, tier three, which is the, the, the need for support. If we can really help students learn and grow and be healthy and well, in all aspects, it's not just mental health, but mental health is the area that has really been left unattended, now has attention, then we will have fewer kids in need. And so, if there's anything I could ask for, it would be additional funding so that we truly staff appropriately, so that our initi- initiatives can really be done with fidelity. Of course, engaging parents, they're the key. Uh, we don't want to do this great work without the permission and support of families. And parents have that right and responsibility to tell us, yes, would they want to engage us in that effort. And then also to make sure that we have healthy and well students.
0: So speaking of funding, is Mm -hmm. that something that is part of your role is actively trying to get more funding from the state level? For mental health
1: so the allocation is pretty well set in legislation and we have um, legislative platforms as you probably know through our school board but also through professional organizations of which I'm a member and I have been on their leadership team and their board and that's the Florida School Counselor Association they have a legislative platform every year and then we also have associations for our social workers and our school psychologists state and national so they have platforms that are very similar regarding funding Funding and support for these initiatives. Um, so you know, we've had a platform for years, but in Florida, unfortunately, for the fact that we had a tragedy, I really do think this is the beginning of the conversation. It's my prayer that it is, and that the funding that has been allocated through Senate Bill 7026 um, as part of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Public Safety Act will perpetuate and even increase.
0: And I forgot to ask you this mm-hmm. at at the beginning mm-hmm. of the podcast, but can you tell us a little bit about your
1: background? Sure. Uh, so this is my 27th year in the school district. And I was I started as a teacher. I'm actually a graduate from Cape Coral High School way back when. So I'm a product of the Lee County system. And I came back here when I graduated college to teach. And I was a teacher and then I had my master's in counseling, became a counselor, and then became an administrator at the district office. Um, this is my eighth year overseeing counseling services and services and now school counseling and mental health. So uh, my passion has always been students and ensuring as we educate them that we cover all aspects of that. And um, I'm, I'm excited to be engaged in this good work. Um, we have we have great initiatives in this district, and we have a superintendent that supports the healthy growth and development and learning of all children. And um, we, we have a lot of work still left to do, but I think that... Uh, this particular piece of legislation puts some funding into it for every school district in the state, and that's, that's never a bad thing.
0: Are there any other initiatives that you're working on that we haven't touched on that you wanted to let people know about?
1: So as part of the student engagement team, which is the team of administrators uh, that I belong to, and uh, they're working also, we have a director of positive preventions. He's been working on social emotional learning, um, the attendance initiatives. So when I talk about that, that, Layer of foundational support for all children. Um, it's attendance, behavior, um, you know, um, social emotional learning. So we have other staff members that are also partnering together on our team to really build that healthy foundation. So we've got, um, and then we've got our social workers and psychologists along with the counselors. So basically, there's just a lot of other people involved in this in this work.
0: And real quick before we wrap it up if anybody watching or listening to this has any additional questions about what we're doing here at the school district where's the best place for them to to go to ask questions
1: um they can reach out to me if it's related to mental health i'd be happy to speak with them and and if it's not i'd be happy to connect them to any member of the student engagement team if it's related to more of the student growth and development piece Mm -hmm. we're your people and we'll be happy to help
0: put your email address on the Absolutely. screen for people. Okay. And can you, you, want to say it real quick for anybody listening, sure. just the audio version?
1: Absolutely. So my email address is Lori M B. So L O R I M as in Mary B as in boy at Lee net. All right.
0: Lori, thank you so much for taking thank the time you. to be on the podcast. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for asking me. All right. Yep.
0: And thank you for watching and listening. We'll see you next time.